This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. With thanks to the Carlo and Kilkenny local enterprise offices for business, financial supports and mentoring services. For more information, see localenterprise.ie. Hello, good evening and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 7 o'clock. Great to see some more good news from the events, festivals and entertainment scenes resulting in probably millions being spent in the local economy. Last Monday saw shooting begin on a TV series being filmed in Kilkenny over the next month. It's been produced by Peer Pressure Productions for Channel 5 in the UK as far as I know. And one of the people behind that is well known in this area. It is, of course, Richard Cook, the originator of, amongst other things, the Cat Laughs and Kilconomics festivals. We understand that the TV series will see well over a million spent locally over the next few weeks. That's good news indeed, and sure to help put Kilkenny even further on the map. And as you've been hearing on our news, good tidings for Carlow Business, with the announcement that the finals of the community games are destined for the town for the next three years, guaranteeing the tourism and hospitality sectors, thousands of additional visitors and likely millions of euro more in spending. All positive stuff. Coming up on the bottom line this evening, Dungeons and Dragons and a Greg Namana company celebrating five years of supplying the denizens of Sword Coast, Avernus, Icewind Dale and Wildemound. We'll be talking to Luke McIntosh about his local company is big in the dungeons of the world. A smoothie business and sportswear brand developed by transition year students from Tullo. Just two of the projects in this year's student enterprise programme. We'll be talking to the young people behind these emerging companies. All that and more between now and 7 o'clock. But first, joining me on the line to chat about business uh, and what's been catching his eye over the last week is Lorcan Allen, business editor for the Sunday Business Post. Good evening, Lorcan. Good evening, John. How are you today? Welcome. This is your first appearance on the bottom line. Good to talk to you. Yeah, thanks very much for having me on. Yeah, pleasure. Listen, um... Uh, people who grew up during the 80s or people who'd be uh, used to gloomy exchequer figures in Ireland lagging at the bottom of the class uh, would have got a bit of a shock during the week. Uh, our Irish growth figures in the economy seems to be going well, although many people feel in pain. Yeah, that's right, John. Some really positive uh, stories, I suppose, emerged this week about the health of the Irish economy and how strong it is, not just in an Irish context, but in a European context. So the CSO released some figures uh, earlier this week, and it shows the Irish economy grew by more than 12% last year. Um, now, obviously, the majority of that growth is coming from you know, from the larger multinationals, but the underlying health of the economy, you know, the people's spending in the economy is still quite strong as well. Um, and it figures mean that Ireland is actually the fastest growing economy in all of Europe last year, which is a phenomenal achievement when you think of the powerhouses of Germany and France. Um, and, you know, Ireland has really come out of the COVID-19 pandemic and the inflation crisis really, really strongly. Um, so that's great to see as well. And actually, what was quite interesting, the European Eurozone economy was really starting to slow in the final months during the winter um, you know, as the war in Ukraine, inflation, cost of living was all hitting it. And most analysts expected the Eurozone economy to slip into recession right at the end of the year. But actually, the strength of the Irish economy 
actually was so strong it helped keep the entire Eurozone economy out of recession <laughs> for the end wow. of 2022, which is a phenomenal achievement for a small country on the edge of Europe. Yeah, uh, some concerns maybe about the, the news being too good and, and that the reliance on uh, uh, foreign direct investment may be too much. Are we in danger of becoming over-reliant on big multinational companies, do you think? It's certainly a concern, and you've seen the government talking about this over the last year. I mean, our corporate tax receipts for 2022 for the government was €23 billion. Euros. It was a phenomenal amount of money collected from corporate tax. But the government is, I suppose, aware of the risk of, you know, putting all your eggs in one basket, um, to use a phrase. And, uh, you know, they're saying that they need to do have more diversified strategies and that we can't be too reliant or over-reliant on multinationals, that we need to support more indigenous Irish businesses. And I think that's a, a good strategy. The problem is it takes time. Um, but for now, what's really been driving that, that really strong growth in Ireland is undoubtedly our multinationals, particularly in sectors like pharmaceuticals. Um, uh, our, our tech sector has obviously been under pressure over recent months. We've seen all the job cuts in, in Dublin. But when you look at the outside of the city, when you look in our pharmaceutical sectors in particular, medtech, they've had a phenomenal year and our food industry as well, which is indigenous, has done really, really well. And that's driving the strength of the economy. So a lot of positive there for, for Ireland as well. And, and I actually just figures just released in the last hour, John, as well, that just shows as well how strong it is. The government collected €7.5 billion Euros in tax for January, which is up 12% year on year. Wow. Again, like that's really strong tax figures coming in. And it allows the government to spend more, to do more, to put more money back into people's pockets, maybe on cost of living measures or energy credits. So... It is a very positive story, I have to say, when you think of just 10 years ago, maybe, where we were. Absolutely. Good to start with the positive anyway. Although, what about, I was in Dublin recently, down in the glittering docklands, and one thing that caught my eye was, um, there was a lot of empty offices, um, and I was talking to someone who's looking for office space in Dublin during the week, and they were saying, oh yeah, well, there's quite a lot of it available. What's it like for commercial property owners and commercial landlords? Yeah, that's all right. This is an interesting dynamic, John. If there is one area of concern I'd say it is probably going to be property and it'll start to emerge I think this year there's been a lot of house prices and and things like that but house prices tend to be the the unnatural demand that we have in Ireland relative supply I mean those prices stay very high but on the commercial property side of things be it offices industrial units retail units uh, shopping centres those kind of things where supply is more in balance with demand there's expectations now that there could be quite a large correction in the value of commercial property this year. Mm. And that's because rising interest rates are going to have a big impact on office rents, on yields, on property. And a lot of the offices, as you said, down in Dublin, Docklands, and in, in the cities, most of those are built or bought with debt-backed finance. And the, the cost of servicing that debt is now going up with interest rates going up. So that means either the rents have to go up or the value has to come down. And as we know, as I just mentioned, the tech sector in Dublin is really struggling at the minute and there's no appetite there to pay higher rents. There's no new companies coming in to take more space. There's more working from home. So there's no sign that rents and offices and blocks like that are going to go up. Therefore, the simple maths of it means that the value of commercial property in Dublin is expected to fall up to 20% this year. And that's very significant. The value of commercial property in Ireland is worth about 50 billion, over 50 billion. So 
20% correction in commercial property, you're talking about 10 billion being wiped off the value of it. So that's And what kind of, of splash does that make if that's not the wrong metaphor? But, you know, the ripple effect of 10 billion being written off the value of stuff, who does that hit in the, co- in the pocket? Yeah, it, it's a good question. I mean, a big figure like that can seem very abstract to your, your average person on the street, but it does have an impact uh, in, in sort of roundabout ways. A lot of it will be maybe investment funds and things like that that own property in Dublin um, and a lot of foreign multinationals. But equally, a lot of pension funds own property uh, in Dublin, commercial property. It's part of our pension. If you were my pension, if you're investing in a pension, some of that money is probably going into a commercial property portfolio in some shape or form. And there's three fairly large commercial uh, pension fund portfolios here in Dublin. They have about two and a half billion euros worth of commercial property assets between them from Bank of Ireland, from Irish Life and Aviva. You're expecting that those pension funds are probably going to have to take write downs on the value of those assets. So as much as an office building in Dublin might seem an abstract thing for us, the value of it going up and down, it might mean that much. But for certain pension funds, it could have an impact on the value of the pension pot. Yeah, it just shows how everything is linked because it may be a multinational in a glittery office in Dublin, but it may be somebody down the country whose pension is impacted. One business sector uh, that does unfortunately seem to have thrived over the last number of years is uh, cybercrime. And uh, there was an interesting a bunch of stats released about the number of small businesses that have admitted to being hacked. Yeah, that's right. Some new research uh, released this week by the Institute of Directors in Dublin shows that 70% of business leaders and directors are extremely concerned or very concerned about the potential impact of cybersecurity threats. Now, we know all about this over the last number of years, particularly the high, most high profile being the, the cyber attack on the HSE, and we saw the impact that that had on the HSE's ability to function as, a, as, an, as a, an entity. Um, and, and the study actually carried out by the Institute of Directors also found that like over 40% of businesses surveyed have actually experienced a cyber attack of some form. So this is becoming a far more frequent, common thing, a threat to businesses. And I mean, how do you react to it? And it is very complicated. It's, it's, it's difficult to, you know, compared to putting a security guard on the door, protecting yourself in a digital world is very complicated and you're often up against very sophisticated um, hackers Mm. in in these cases. Now, interestingly, um, something we reported on the Business Post last week, there is actually a growing response to the demand or the needs of businesses to this. There's a company, an Irish company, Asset Reality. um, It's after raising five and a half million euros last year because it's kind of starting to create a business working where it it goes after uh, criminals who, who who supposed to steal assets off yeah. companies or people and try and recover some of the assets from criminals uh, who are cyber criminals, essentially. So, I mean, the figures are very interesting. Um, Aidan Larkin, who founded the company, uh, told the Business Post there last week how, you know, only about 1% of all criminal proceeds from cyber attacks is ever recovered every 1%, year. 1%, my God. Tens and billions of euros are not recovered and stolen by cyber thieves. So um, any sort of new technology that's coming along to maybe help businesses fight off these attackers or have some hope of getting back lost assets or, or funding or whatever it is to be welcomed because I mean it, it, clearly this is only going to be a growing growing threat for businesses over the coming years because we're all moving into the digital world e-commerce and um, mm. the way we pay you know creditors employees everything 
you know, our, our banks are going digital, it, it's only going to increase as a threat to businesses. And um, unfortunately, as well, it brings up the cost of being able to, uh, to protect yourself. Yeah, finally, now at the top of the programme, I was talking about good news for the local hospitality uh, sector, but the, the VAT rate for hospitality is still a pretty much a hot potato. I read about that in the print edition of the Business Post uh, as well during the week. What way do you think it's going and what's the mood music like on the contentious now, I think it's fair to say, VAT rate for hospitality? Yeah, that's right, John. As you mentioned, like I mean, it is hugely contentious. This uh, very, very sensitive issue. As you know, just to remind your listeners, the government would have reduced the VAT rate for hospitality businesses like restaurants and hotels and pubs down to nine percent over recent years to try and give them a bit of support during the COVID crisis when maybe their businesses were shut or that. Um, but at the recent budget, the government said it was going to, you know, move the VAT rate back up to 13.5%, what it always was, um, from the 1st of March this year. Um, now, there's been a lot of pushback from the hospitality sector about this. I mean, you know, the cost of operating for a lot of business owners, particularly around energy and food, they're the two main drivers of inflation in the economy. And every hospitality business has been hit hard by those rising costs and of course when you're a small business your ability to pass on those costs to consumers who are price sensitive it is tricky so the hospitality industry has been pushing back to the government saying we need this extended we need the nine percent extended um it's difficult to say the government has said it's going to bring up the vat rate and from the first of march but there's quite an awful lot of sme hospitality businesses hotels pubs out there if you're a politician and you're thinking about what's good for voters and keeping them happy, maybe extending the 9% fat rate could be a wise move. I mean, we the Business Post did a, a survey recently, a Red Sea poll, 66% of people on the street feel that the government should give the hospitality sector a break and, and extend the VAT rate. So I think... I think you might see the government give in on that one over the coming weeks. Indeed, and they've got lots of money anyway, Manny would say, but uh, that's not the way to run an economy, I suppose. Lorcan, thank you very much for joining us on The Bottom Line. That's Lorcan Allen, business editor of The Business Post. Thanks, and we'll talk to you again, Lorcan. Thanks very much, John. Okay, uh, coming up after the break, we're going to be talking to some young entrepreneurs. Don't go away. KCLR, The Bottom Line, with John Purcell. With thanks to the Carlo and Kilkenny Local Enterprise Offices for business financial supports and mentoring services. For more information, see localenterprise.ie. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. Now, every week we talk to a range of entrepreneurs, usually those who've left school, maybe even university, and have gone on through maybe working for someone else first before taking the plunge and starting their own business. But I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by four students from Tullow Community School who are all taking part in the Student Enterprise Programme, which is an initiative run between the schools in Kilkenny and Carlow and the local enterprise offices. This particular company we're talking about is Mark Jimware and I'm delighted to be joined by four of the management team of Monarch Jimware. I'll let them introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Jamie Nocter and I'm the managing director of Monarch Jimware. Hi, I'm Oshie Nolan, I'm the purchase manager of Monarch Jimware. Hi, I'm Paul Barr, I'm the marketing manager of Monarch Jimware. 
Hi, I'm Andy Deskalowski and I'm the financial controller of Monarch Chamber. Well, lads, it's a pleasure to have you here in the studio. I suppose we'll start uh, at the top, so to speak. Jamie Nocter, you're the managing director. Tell us about your company, how it came about and what you're hoping to achieve. Yeah, uh, thank you for having us, first of all. Uh, Monarch Gymwear is a gym and sportswear company and our aim is to support an active lifestyle and positive well-being as much as we can. And we're four young entrepreneurs and we have a big interest in business and well-being and we're all members of Valhalla Gym in Tullow. Great. And Paul, you're the marketing manager. Are you the man responsible for the name? I am. I've desi- I came up with the name, I designed the logo and I did all the market research behind our products and how much we should be selling them for and what material we should be using. I went into CrossFit Tullow, which is uh, owned by the same people who own Valhalla Gym in Tullow, and I uh, asked a lot of people what material we should be using, what price we should be selling them at, like a buyable price. And uh, I also managed, uh, I'm ahead of the website, uh, monarchgymware.ie. I'm also ahead of the social medias with our Instagram having 150 followers and our TikTok having over 10,000 followers. And I want to thank Black Knight up in Carlo for sponsoring our website. Um, we do hope to get more sponsors in the near future and I hope to sponsor other people also uh, I want to get a strategic alliance with a uh, logistics company to not just get our name out there but get our product out there and uh, direct channel distribution so we don't have to do as much work Yeah, Oshin, you're the purchasing manager um, you know, company's nothing without the product tell us about your job, what you've done and what you're hoping to achieve uh, so I had to find a supplier for the clothes and the printing with a good quality and um, I managed to find one from the UK and we made an agreement with them that if we buy the clothes in bulk we could get a better price for them and for the printing we found a local we found a local printing shop and we also made an agreement with them that if they printed our t-shirt our clothes in bulk then it'd be a better price too yeah what kind of stuff have you learned about that kind of trading you're at the front line really uh, <clears throat> I've learned how to be more efficient with money and I've also like I feel like I've worked harder on things as well ever since I started mm. Andy you're the financial controller tell us about that well to be honest I think it's fun you know controlling money I always wanted to be part of a business and have a key role in a business and same as Ocean I've, I feel like I'm more responsible with money now Mm. Um, Jamie, talk to me a bit about putting a company together. You're four different personalities, usually sitting in class, listening to teachers and so on. What have you kind of found about working together and so on? Yeah, well, it worked out grand because we're all um, friends anyway. But I suppose putting together a business, it can be, it can be, um, it can be a bit challenging sometimes. But we're all friends and we all do it together and we all talk to each other daily so it's really not too bad working together yeah uh, Paul where are we at in terms of the development of the company can people buy stuff now if well, so how are sales going Black Knight as a help as they are the website is still in development but we can, you can go to our Instagram we also have uh, forms through the school and stuff but um, if you want to get out to us you can get out to us on Instagram and we can take orders we're also trying to expand the line from not just t-shirts but to quarter zips and tracksuit bottoms and shorts and hoodies and crew neck hoodies and then also sponsoring the Headstrong team in the school. Um, the Headstrong is a well-being thing, uh, it goes through the schools all over Ireland. Me and Jamie are actually part of the committee in the school and we are supplying Headstrong hoodies the colour orange for Pieta House and um, we're not making any profit either. Mm. because it's something I don't think Andy you're the financial controller how are you with things like uh, not making profit or is uh, can the company afford that 
I mean, yeah, we sell our T-shirts 20 euro and we just about make a 50% profit margin. And with the Headstrong Committee, we negotiated with the school to provide a hoodie, hoodies at the base price, taking no profit. Yeah, that sounds very good. Uh, Jamie, the company's going well. Um, you know, what next for it and how do you see it unfolding from here? You still have a good few months left in the school year. Yeah, well, we're going to basically run challenges in the school to try and make exercise as fun as possible for the students. So we're going to do push-up challenges, we're going to do sit-up challenges and give away free T-shirts and uh, other prizes. And we're going to try and make it as fun as possible. And again, with our well-being, we're going to continue to post stuff on our TikTok uh, motivational videos and then we're also going to link in with the Hedgehog team as well as we said Paul um, how big can this get marketing is a key part in the whole you know image uh, and reputation you know Gymshark is a big multinational brand they, they started small as well how how what's the future for uh, Monarch Gymware well with the help of the website I think we can go global we can go big I mean when Brent Francis started out the people were kind of like what well, yeah uh, it's a swamped market there's too many clothes in the industry but I, it is very doable especially if we're you know, competitive in that market and our clothes are high quality for what they are now so I don't see the reason why it can't get big and can't get a hell of a lot better Yeah well look it's a pleasure to meet you uh, Jamie, Paul, Oshin and Andy uh, thank you very much and we should say often ask people and I suppose Paul you're the man to ask if people want to get some uh, Monarch gym wear where can they get it? Well, soon enough they can go through our website at monarchgymwear.ie, but for now they can go through our Instagram. Okay, and the Instagram handle is? Uh, monarchgymwear Ireland. Okay, well, gentlemen, pleasure meeting you. Best of luck, and I'm sure it won't be the last we hear of Monarch Gymwear. Kilkenny, Carlo, KCLR. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business. I'm John Purcell with you until 7 o'clock. It's just coming up to 27 minutes away from 7 o'clock. Now, before the break, we heard from Monarch Gymwear. But as you'll remember at the start of the programme, I said we'd be hearing from two different companies that have been set up by transition year students in Tullock Community School. Well, we're going to meet the second now. They're called Flourish live your best life and they promote health and well-being through producing their own brand of smoothies they came into the studio earlier and i started by asking them to introduce themselves and their role in the company hello i'm jamie Marr and i'm a production manager hello i'm dave McHugh and i'm the financial controller hello i'm johnny Marr and i'm the marketing manager hello i'm eddie harahan and i'm the purchase manager together we have flourish smoothies live your best life Flourish smoothies live your best life. That sounds very uh, interesting. And the thought of a smoothie now is get my taste buds uh, going. Eddie, tell us a bit about this company and how it came about. Well, first off, thanks for introducing us, John. Um, it's a privilege to be on the show. And um, I am the production manager of our business. Um, our business is called Flourish Smoothies Live Your Best Life. And what we're basically we're here is our goal is to promote healthy living and a healthy diet. We know people nowadays do not consume the right nutrients and vitamins that we all require. And that's why we made these smoothies, so that we could help replace your fizzy drinks, your Coke, your Fanta, and replace with a flourish smoothie. Great. Well, Jamie, um, talk to us about how it's how they're made. You're the man, I think, that's responsible for making them and, and finding fruit. So first of all, we did a survey in our school, which we asked uh, the students in our school what type of flavours would they like in their smoothies. And we narrowed it down to three smoothies, which is called Mango Madness, which requires mangoes, oranges, apple juice. Then we did a strawberry twist, which is strawberries, apple juice and bananas. And a recharge smoothie, which is for 
when you're working out or after the gym and it has honey peanut butter milk and protein powder and we but we buy our fresh we buy fresh uh, organic fruit every day and uh we, we sanitize our boards before every use and we wash our blender out before before and after our we make our smoothies. Yeah, because health and, and having proper production processes when you're dealing with stuff that yeah. goes into people's bodies hugely important. David, you're the financial dollar. You're keeping an eye on, on the purchase price and yeah. the sales price. Tell us a bit about that. Uh, well, so like I kind of am the like money man. I kind of keep control of the money that comes in and like the sales that we make. And so far we've been selling our smoothies in the canteen in the school. I made about 50 euros yesterday. Uh, we sold about 25, 25 smoothies, which were two euro each, yeah. and then two fifty for the recharge smoothie. Mm. And Johnny, you're the marketing manager. Very important to get the the word out there. How are you getting on uh, with that? So, as the marketing manager, we have to just to promote our business. So, we have a TikTok which has over one hundred and fifty followers, which we only started two weeks ago. So, it's very good. And our recent video hit over thirteen thousand views. Wow, what was that about? It's about our competitors, with it? It's about your competitors. Yeah, competitors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Attack advertising. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, tell us a bit yeah. about that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to be better. In we're trying to get into the market. Yeah, we're trying, yeah, we're trying yeah. to get into the market because we're only new here and we know like there's all other big, big smoothie brands out there that we want to get there. So we just try, uh, we're trying to like just get a big platform yeah. at the moment, which will hopefully lead us to. I suppose um, when you're dealing with actually food, people yeah. have to eat it and like the taste. Yeah. How do you get over people's reluctance to maybe try it? So uh, we have, so we gave away 50 free samples at the local enterprise market in Carlo before Christmas, and everyone that tried them absolutely loves them. So we, yeah. them three flavors that we gave at, at the market, they're on our menu at the moment. So. Yeah, and David, uh, I think that was a great success from what I've yeah, heard. Yeah, Tell us we, about that. Yeah, at the Carlo Market, we won the best stand and we won a 100 euro gift card. Yeah, um, yeah, it was a very big achievement, I guess, to start us off and to like encourage us to keep going I guess Yeah who'd like to tell me about how it felt going from the idea stage to actually standing up in a market and uh, having to front up uh, you tell us a bit yeah, about that um, Basically you know we're all interested in the subject you know our whole lives we've loved health and fitness and overall well-being obviously it's difficult business you know you don't want to make any mistakes you know a lot of pressure but I think the the fair was a really good learning experience you know Um we got there was a lot of very nice people there who gave us a lot of advice you know definitely a lot of feedback i tell you that from uh, the customers and uh, reviews that motivated us helped us improved our formula and I think overall right now we're looking pretty comfortable mm. uh, Jamie talk to me a bit about the ingredients and sourcing the the ingredients and the fruit that you use is that a bit of a challenge particularly at this time of the year well yes it is a, pr- a pretty big challenge uh, well we got we got a gift card as we we got a 100 year gift card which we used to buy the fruit we it's a one for all gift card which uh, we could use in little Aldi and uh, we have a very nice lady in our canteen called Katrina Nolan and she gave us a 25 euro gift voucher for uh, a fruit market in Carlo and we can go buy fresh organic fruit fruit every day with it fantastic David what does the future hold for uh, Flourish the future well, I guess we're just we have to we have to get the, the certificate off the health oh, yeah. board uh, before we can start like selling and like super like we're at the moment we're trying to sell in super value in Tullow but first we have to get the certificate off the health board before we can do that so I guess that's our next step 
And that uh, sounds like it might be quite a, a job. Is there a yeah. lot involved in that? Tell us about that. Yeah, I'd say it will take a while to get that. I think we have to do some sort of course I yeah, think, to, yeah. to get the... Well, yeah. The certificate to the health board, but that's our next step anyway in the in the company. Johnny, if people want to h- find out more about uh, Flourish, live your best life. How yeah. do they do so? So to find out more about Flourish, you have to go onto our Instagram at Flourish Moody's, and you can go to our TikTok and Facebook, and that's all Flourish Moody's. So we post recently. We po- we post a TikTok at least once a week, then Instagram at least one a day. So you can go we'll at everyone there now. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, you're full of enthusiasm, guys. Have yeah. you found it a, a positive experience? Who wants to take that one? Um, yeah, definitely. The experiences we're getting right now from the business are fantastic. You know, being being at the fair in uh, December, we won it actually. That's how we achieved our 100 euro gift card. We placed first. You know, it's nothing but positive experiences. You know, um, it's been like a it's a good way to start off. Winning the 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 gift card in the Carlo Market is kind of encourage us to keep going I guess and like yeah, motivate us yeah, yeah. motivate us yeah. to keep going well listen gentlemen it's a pleasure to uh, meet you David McHugh Eddie Harahan Johnny Marr and Jamie Marr gentlemen thanks very much this is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell with thanks to the Carlo and Kilkenny local enterprise offices for business financial supports and entering services for more information see localenterprise.ie That was the guys from Flourish Live Your Best Life and best of luck to them with their smoothie business. And before that, you heard from Monarch uh, Gymware. That was Jamie Nocter, Paul Barrett, Ushi Nolan and Andy Descalu. Uh, And uh, big thanks to their teacher, Brian Larkin, who brought the guys into the studio earlier. And it was a pleasure uh, talking to them. From uh, the relatively uh, above ground uh, pursuits of gymware and smoothies to the to me anyway, mysterious world of Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. <laughs> and Dungeons and Dragons and the Greg Namana connection. I'm delighted to have Luke McIntosh, owner and MD of Dakota Irish, uh, join me in studio. Luke, we talked, I think it was last May, seems like a eon ago now at this stage. How are things going for Dakota Irish? Yeah, things are going really great. Thanks, John. Yeah, it's can't believe it's been May since last time we spoke, but yeah. Yeah, for people who may not be familiar with Dungeons and Dragons, just give us a short guided tour of what it's all about. Absolutely. So Dungeons and Dragons started in the 70s. It was made by a couple dudes out of their basement, <laughs> Gary Gynax. And uh, yeah, it's basically a, a game that you play over a tabletop without any um, electronics. I mean, you can have some, I suppose, if you want to. But basically, you're playing with friends and you have a person who kind of leads the story and you're all tell the story with your characters and rolling dice and all this kind of fun good stuff. Good old-fashioned board game, really. Yes. Yeah. But, say, good old-fashioned board game like Snakes and Ladders, this has got a whole kind of subculture going on with it as well. Yeah, it really does. There's, It's a lot different. There's a lot more interaction to it. There's a lot more um, theater of the mind, fun stuff, ad-libbing and things like that happens. So, you know, instead of being a board game around the table with pieces, you kind of have character sheets and dice that you roll to see whether things that you want to do happen and stuff like that so and so what's the size of the community or the market or how many people are playing this and how long would they typically play it for you know what i mean if if we talk about snow ladders or we talk about yeah. cluedo or monopoly people might just pass through when they're young but I yeah get the sense this is different it is so the last time they did an official count i think they figured there was 50 million but they they're guessing now there's over 100 million players worldwide um, most of them are in the U.S., a lot in the U.K. Um, if you were to go off of our numbers from customers, uh, uh, there's a good portion in Ireland as well. <laughs> but um, there's they're all over the world. Germany, the Nordics, uh, it's crazy. You know, 
that's kind of it's spread around the world is a, a great way of of spending time with friends without you know doing it over um drinks or at sporting venues so so very much as you said a subculture and the people who maybe weren't interested in the you know quote quote stereotypical stuff like that you know something a way for them to spend time with friends come together so first and foremost you were a fan uh, oh yeah what got you into taking the plunge to pursue your interest as a as a business and did that ruin your fandom of it <laughs> so i i suppose i saw stuff that was you know things were in the the space you know uh, different products and stuff and i thought i could do better i suppose like a good business to start out that way we see something we think nah, i could do that better so that was kind of how i started i started out with kind of accessories to this so like you know dice trays which is a place just to roll dice into just keep them from rolling around the table you know uh that sort of stuff and making them in my garage and, and making them out of wood and stuff and then i moved into doing dice and doing and all dice sorts of are not you're not just talking a square bit of wood no. with like a one on one side and a six and the other yeah. and all the other numbers Talk to me a bit about the dice. Yeah, they're actually, that's yeah, kind of cool. Um, or is it die? Die, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the singular die. Um, so dice, you'd have a 20-sided dice. 20? Um, yeah, which is interesting, actually. What do you call found, that shape? Uh, oh, stop. <laughs> you know, you put me on the spot. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, do, 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 oh, God. Do Some math dear. person's going to kill yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, we one. look it up. We'll look it up. We get back um, to you after. Yeah, day. exactly. Um, but D20s, as we call them, have been around since Egyptian times. They found a D20 from Egypt, actually. D20s, that's D20s. what you call them. Yeah, we call them D20s, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you have, like, D20s, you have D12s, which is 12-sided ones, D10s, 10-sided, um, D8, D6, and D4. So D4 looks like literally a pyramid, which is kind right. of cool. Um, and, yeah, it's different shapes, and you use them in different scenarios. You know, if you cast a spell or something, you might use, you know, one type of die. If you're trying to heal yourself, you use another. You know, if you're attacking someone, you use another. So it's kind of fun like that. Yeah. Um, and so business and Greg Namana. Yeah. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons and Greg Namana. Uh, doesn't immediately spring to mind tell us about your journey to there yeah well i started off originally in uh we were just doing the the company out of my garage and home office and it was uh we're five years now in business actually it was our our five-year anniversary uh and five so five years ago we kind of it was about the time i started the business we we actually were renting this house and they decided to sell so we had to move out and my wife's family is from Carlo Kilkenny area so we moved back down and that kind of you know I needed more space and it kind of fell into place that was easy like we love the area anyway and she's connected to it and it was just it was great we were able to find you know workable space that we could use to grow it and we started off with the workshop in Greg Nemana, and now we have the workshop in Greg Nemana, and we have our headquarters in Purcell's Inch in Kilkenny. And how has uh, the last five years been for you? You know, um, not a, an immediately apparent uh, gap in the local market for 20-sided mm. dice manufacturers, but you've yeah. done it, taken the plunge, and how's business been? Yeah, it's been amazing. So m most of our customers are global, actually. If you look at our, our spread, we're about 50 to 60% to the U.S., um, 20, 10, well, 15%, 20% to the UK, only about 5 to 10% to Ireland, maybe 15 on some months, you know? So it's interesting. We were very much a global brand kind of hidden away in, in rural Ireland, which is brilliant, actually. <laughs> and how was COVID for you? COVID, I, I would yeah. have had the impression that during COVID, people got more in touch with their board game playing sides. <laughs> yes. and, you know, the family who could only walk within two miles of their houses yeah. were all 
nestle down playing is it a family game or is it kind of really a mates game or no it can 100 be a family game yeah. yeah in fact a lot of DD players would start off with their parents showing them how to play um no it's definitely it can be whatever you want it to be it could be you know disney-esque it could be um horror-esque you know like the last of us you could play that in DD if you wanted to you could play anything in DD really um because it's the system the system is you know dungeons and dragons is a fantasy side of that but you can use that system for lots of different types of themes or or settings if you will um and uh yeah so like it was you know in terms of um D &D and stuff it's kind of it's just more about telling a story i suppose really Mm. more than anything and uh uh COVID, um, yeah, COVID was so, that good? Yeah, COVID was really good for us. I don't mean that us. in a bad way. But. Yeah, no, in terms of business, it was very good for the reasons you mentioned. And it was funny, actually, I was talking to a, a guy there yesterday and he um, found out what we did and he was just, he was all into it. He was on the phone, he was looking it up and he was looking at all the different things we do and and he said, oh yeah, I got into it over COVID. <laughs> My mates, he said, because we were, we were playing it over Zoom. And mm. that, there were so many stories like that, people playing over Zoom and, and doing it just as something, a way to kill the time because you're not stuck at home and stuff. So. Yeah, you mentioned um, the overseas markets and how much of your business is done overseas. Have, mm. have things like Brexit had much of a, an impact on you? You know, quite a significant market in the UK. Yeah, um, yes and no. It's made it more of a pain in the butt to to send stuff over there, but um, it hasn't really affected us because the, our suppliers, we have a few suppliers in the UK, but we try to source locally as much as possible. Um, so we weren't as, as affected by the UK. Mm. Um, you mentioned five years. Um, a significant milestone, really, because stats will tell you that a lot of businesses actually, you know, I think it's probably more more than not go mm. bust within five years. Yeah. How how does that milestone make you feel? Oh man, <laughs> I'm I'm delighted. I suppose ecstatic. Really, I I don't know. You know, when you make the plans when you first start out, you think, oh, where am I going to be at in five years? And I think I've surpassed all those. Which you know, I for me it was about wanting to have freedom. Um, you know, be my own man, and so in terms of being able to make you know my own choice and see and and plot my own path so to speak sorry all these um algorithms and stuff metaphors but effectively that was what i was trying to do was get a bit of um freedom control over what i wanted to do with my life so for me i was just happy enough to be able to do it and connect with people and that was probably the biggest thing for me was was when i got into it and i started connecting with people and go inventions you know we're an online shop so that was the way that i would be able to talk to people and and meeting the customers, meeting the people who are fans of Dakota Irish and getting all that just made me fall in love with the community over and over again all the time. So it was kind of always this reinvention, you know what I mean? So when you say like five years, I think to myself, God, has it been five years? It feels like it's only been a year because <laughs> mm. it's like we're constantly, it's reinventing in my head every year or so. Yeah. Um, you're listening to the bottom line, the foreign about business. It's just coming up to 10 and a half minutes away from seven o'clock. We're here until seven. I'm talking to Luke McIntosh, who's the founder and managing director of Dakota Irish. We're going to take a break and we're going to be back and talk about the future and how the world of Dungeons and Dragons has been having some controversy. Don't go away. KCLR, The Bottom Line with John Purcell. With thanks to the Carlo and Kilkenny Local Enterprise Offices for business financial supports and mentoring services. For more information, see localenterprise.ie This is KCLR. 
Casey Lauren D just coming up to eight minutes away from seven o'clock. Matt O'Keefe coming to you with the Tierlawn Farm Programme just after the seven o'clock news. But I'm in studio with Luke McIntosh of Dakota Irish. Luke, we're talking about your five years. Uh, it grew from just you in your garage, um, but now uh, there's more than you on the team. How, how big has it got after those five years? Oh yeah, there's six or seven of us now at this point. We're yeah, we're growing constantly. So it's great to to see the the success of it and and continued growth of it. We grow year on year, which is brilliant. Yeah, um, Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know much about it, but a headline did uh, catch my eye. There was controversy and people revolting against changes in the game format. Tell us about that. Was that bad for you? No. Well, yeah, we were a little bit worried about it to be honest with you because we weren't sure kind of where things were going with it. Um, so effectively, what happened was uh, the guys who own Dungeons and Dragons, which is Wizards of the Coast, and the people who own them, which is Hasbro. Of course, Hasbro's, Hasbro is a huge company, you know, two billion or whatever it Wizards is. Wizards of the Coast sounds kind of yeah, really I know, right? <laughs> but Hasbro, they have a factory down in Waterford, don't they? Yeah, that's, yeah that's true. Yeah, <laughs> they do actually. I, f- I forget about that sometimes. Yeah, Hasbro's so Wizards there, yeah. of the Coast and Hasbro. Yeah, sorry yes. For no, no, you're fine. So the long story short, they wanted to make a change to a license that they had, which is called this open gaming license, and it was kind of been around since the '90s or early '90s, 20 years or more. And a lot of these other third-party developers had started to use that license to you know make their own products and things and i think hasbro kind of felt like look we want to try to you know get a handle on that and maybe get a piece of the pie that sounds uh, reasonable enough so yeah absolutely so they started to try to make changes to this license and the players went ballistic um absolutely ballistic so much so that now after a few weeks of the controversy with it you know they dialed back again they said we weren't going to change it or we were going to change it with feedback from you and now they just went all the way around they said no i can change anything and in fact we're going to put that and the srd which is the source reference material that they have on Creative Commons, which is a license that they can't touch, mm-hmm. Hasbro can't touch. So it was, you know, if you imagine they were kind of, you know, stepping up to try to go to this, and then just, you know, to this one place where Slammed they're monopolizing to all the way around to giving away everything for free. Wow. And it was fascinating because a lot of companies like Pyro and even our local Cubicle 7 and things like that, they were looking at it kind of going, hey, look, if they're going to do this with the OGL, we're going to have to step away from it. Yeah. And I think that kind of scared Hasbro, but they went, oh, actually, all these things have D&D at the core, and suddenly D&D wouldn't be at the core anymore. So, wow. so just, uh, we're running out of time, but just tell us about the future for, uh, you know, Dakota Irish. Exciting times, because there's a Dungeons & Dragons movie coming is that going to keep the people in Greg Namana and in Purcell's Inch busy? Oh, we hope so. Yeah, movie's coming out on the 31st of March. Um, we're looking to, you know, hopefully try to get involved and promote it and um, do that since we're so involved in the community. So that's kind of a big thing. So that'll up. be like a huge ad for one yeah, better word yeah, and people will be so. wanting to get the stuff the merch and all that kind of stuff we hope so we hope it brings a lot of new players in that's the big thing we want to see new and younger players come into it and the movies obviously help a lot with that so is is it a high barrier to entry you know it sounds complicated to the pretty uninitiated like myself how does somebody take up the game it's it's really easy but we're actually working on ways of doing that so we're actually talking about this year maybe putting on events and doing like beginners you know show people how to play D&D and beginner to D&D and stuff but it's really simple and especially now with the fifth edition it's just it's a piece of cake to get into and they have starter kits and things like that that you can get that can really help you so we've had kids as young as 10 and 11 get into it with these things so they're very easy 
And tell me, has uh, your professional interest in it, and it's a dynamic business and you're on pretty much 24-7 thinking about mm-hmm. it, has it diminished your enjoyment of it as a hobby? No, actually, if anything, it's gone up. So we're actually involved with and partnering with Animation Dingle, to do, and we're doing a live stream every week on a Friday up to the Animation Festival at the uh, end of March. And it's been brilliant to work with those guys, and massive props to everybody, Gabriel, Morris, and Kath there, and Animation Dingle, they're absolutely incredible. But it's like, it just keeps amping up we keep enjoying it more and more and more and so i hope you know the live stream is intended to try to connect with people who might be interested in that as well if you guys are interested that's on animation dingle's website and our website as well you can check out what dnd looks like and what it's like to play it and we'll be doing it every friday yeah well look fantastic talking to you luke that's luke mcintosh uh, celebrating five years of dakota irish and we wish Thanks you well much, and Thanks. everybody in your company in uh, greg namana and also in uh, Purcell's Inch as well Uh, the best of luck for the future you'll be busy with the release of that movie that's all we've got time for this week on The Bottom Line thank you to all our guests this week Lorik and Alan Luke McIntosh and Jamie Paul Oshin and Andy from Monarch Gymwear and to Jamie Johnny Eddie and David of Flourish Smoothies thanks also to their teacher Brian Larkin from Tullow Community School. Remember, if you have any comments or questions, you can contact us on the bottom line at kclaurin96fm.com or if you'd like to listen back to this show or any episode of the programme, you can do so by looking for the bottom line on KCLR wherever you get your podcast. Thanks to Deirdre Drummy who produces the show. Thanks most of all to you for listening. Matt O'Keefe is up next, but until we meet again just after the six o'clock news next Thursday to hear more business stories and tales from various business across Carlock, Kilkenny and beyond. Keep it here, keep it local and keep the faith. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. With thanks to the Carlo and Kilkenny Local Enterprise Offices for business financial supports and mentoring services. For more information, see localenterprise.ie.